Hello and welcome to Reptory Screenings episode 54. I'm your host and with me our regular co-host Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hello. We're here. Yes, Talk about we are. Movies. We continue to have a, a bad, you know, taped together audio setup for this podcast. That's just going to be the new normal for a while. We're doing so. our best. We're doing our best. It's fine. Whatever. It's free podcast. Uh, movies. Uh, Jackson, I actually don't know about you. What have you watched? I've watched some movies. All right. Uh, I've seen Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. One uh, of the greatest films ever made. That's a fantastic movie. Holy shit. I've been trying to get me to watch that for like a half a decade as I watched yes. the Planet of the Apes movie like a year and a half. Uh, yes. And I have a great time with them, and and I've been enjoying just like oh every every few months I put on a Planet of the Apes movie, uh, and I finally did every this one. every eighteen months you yes. put on a Planet of the Apes movie. <laughs> every eighteen months they put on Planet of the Apes movie, uh, and you know I've liked basically all of them. Uh, so far, the weakest one is the first one, um, which is a certain you know pleasant surprise. It's still good. It's just like damn, those movies really come to their own uh, after the one everyone actually remembers. I feel like the second one's the weakest one. I don't uh, understand your dislike for the second one. I mean, it's not I think the last, I think the last ten minutes are incredible, and everything else is a, mostly a waste of time retreading. Those the last ten movie. minutes is fucking amazing. Not enough to make a movie <laughs> like, good. Yes, it is enough like to make a movie good. One. I like it. I have to say, um, I think you're wrong. Okay. The, the rest of it's fine as well. It's not. You're, you're downplaying it. The, I do find the I mean, guy. I don't. I don't dislike it. I'm just saying that uh, I would put it below the Planet of the Apes. Important, significant. Uh, the problem with Planet of the Apes is like it's kind of dead to culture, but it's a good movie. It is a good movie. It's no, uh, you know, beneath Planet of the Apes or whatever the second There's one. There's the whole bit where he, he gets in the fucking machine. And he's like, I'd rather die than live on Earth because all these people fucking suck. And you're like, good job, Charlton Heston. <laughs> but what if, what if there was another guy and he was like a shit Charlton Heston? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that yeah, that movie's really good. Just like, right, no time for subtlety. We have some metaphors to get on with, uh, and we're doing it. We're just making it happen. Uh, like the movie begins and like the apes are in prison, like all in orange jumpsuits. And you're like, damn. And then they like get out of their jumpsuits and they start. You know, did shoe shining for all the the like white business money? You're like, goddamn movie, <laughs> go just like <laughs> fuck you. Uh, every other movie is made by cowards. Uh, it's great. <laughs> I, uh, I loved it. Okay. Uh, and uh, on the other side of the spectrum, I watched Virtuosity. Oh, how is that? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's so good. You should you should watch Virtuosity. Like it's stupid. I've seen that since I was a kid. Oh. It's real stupid, but it's a good time. Austin did not steer us wrong in saying we should watch Virtuosity. Austin did not steer us wrong. Austin was totally correct that uh, Virtuosity is a powerfully done movie uh, and it's beautiful. The The CGI in it is so good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just, just just watching a couple movies, as I do. Nothing like uh, super intense worth talking about. I know uh, for you two, you're in movie season because it's October. Destiny has been going through a horror movie a day, most of which I'm, I told her, you, you're already talking about them on Badland Girls, don't repeat content. Um, you can go listen to Badland Girls on the Abnormal Mapping Network if you want to hear about those, because you're doing episodes every week right now, so there's a lot I of... I sure am, yes. Um, but I've, I've been following along sometimes. Uh, we watched the first Saw, incredible film, one of the all-time greats of horror cinema, just like, what a ride, love it. Maybe the perfect film. Um, and then we watched Saw 2, which is not very good. 
<laughs> um, but there's still some horror stuff. Like I want to watch um that new ho- not Halloween Kills, but the one before it, the ho- like Halloween 2018 or whatever that was. 19. I don't know when that came out. I think 2018. Okay. Um. Yeah, I want to watch that, and we're gonna watch some more saws, and um. I want to watch that Chucky television show. It's airing now. Probably just wait until it's all over, though, because I'm just going to want to watch all of it. Um, yeah, I really want to watch that, too. But mainly what I watched is me and Destiny watched uh, Midnight Mass, which is the Mike Flanagan Netflix miniseries. It's seven episodes about uh, a, a, a like fishing village, like a dilapidated fishing village and like... A guy who gets out of jail because he, he he like went off to the big city, became like a startup guy, and then like killed someone while drinking and driving and went to jail and he comes back and he's like trying to rebuild his life. But also there's a mysterious presence on the island. And I I feel like ever, Destiny said all the ads were spoiling what it was about, but I don't really want to. I just think you should watch it. I like Mike Flanagan's stuff. He does one thing, but he does it exceptionally well, and I just am here for it every single time. Um and I liked it quite a bit. I think it's a really good show. Um, actually, the part where it starts like having a plot is far was far less good to me than like the the first four episodes where basically nothing happens. Incredible uh, setup for that one. Love it. Yeah, I have to agree. Like, out of the two Mike Flanagan shows I've watched, this is probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think, and, I think uh, Haunting of Hill House I like a little more, but yeah, I like this more than uh, Bly Manor. Hill House I still haven't seen, so that is next on the list. Yeah. Gotta watch Doctor Sleep at some point. That's on my Yeah. Um, and I feel then, like his... Oh, go on. Sorry. No, no. Um, uh, and then I watched Mulholland Drive, which I'd never seen uh, because I've, uh, I'm at work again and I, I have some space for podcasts. So I started listening to Ornate Stairwells, which is the 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 tulpa version of repertory screenings i guess you would say um it is autumn and neve's movie podcast it is kind of like ours but like every choice that i talk about wanting to make they tend to make the other choice but but it's still like kind of the same podcast in a lot of ways it's really good i like it a lot um but they had a mulholland drive episode and i'd never seen mulholland drive it's one of those like top of the list of like how have i not seen this like shame for me kind of like movie experiences so i sat down and watched it because we've had we've had the blu-ray for years um and pop that in and that's a that's a pretty good movie i liked it quite a bit um it's really funny it's like a story about like it's like a noir film about hollywood and like maybe a murder and maybe some identity but like don't really worry too much about it because david lynch doesn't actually care what plots are uh because he knows how you tell a story which is not care about the plot too much um and it's really funny and it's like interesting it reminds me a lot of season three of twin peaks i feel like that it makes sense that this this is the what season three was looking at this movie like i'm like oh this is his like new fixations twin peaks is like original twin peaks is like its own thing and return blows it out and goes in weird directions but like if i i get because i hadn't seen those movies i was like really surprised by a lot of the choices return made if i'd watch these movies i'd be much less surprised um it's all of a type to me um but that just meant i had a great time because i already really like the return um so it was good. I liked it quite a bit. Naomi Watts is good. I was like, damn, I need to watch her in more things. What's she been doing? And uh, our friend Ryan was like, she was in that fucking terrible Book of Henry movie. Um, and that made me sad. I'm surprised she's not on a TV show. 
Uh, maybe she is. I don't know. I uh, didn't actually look at her filmography, but um, that was the last big like. She's she's working. She's working. But yeah, Book of Henry is twenty seventeen. Um, she was on. She was in Vice, that movie about um, that Adam McKay movie that I'm never gonna watch. <laughs> Fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's on some TV. Um, she was on the Loudest Voice, which is a Fox thing no it's about fox news now nah, i don't care about that um, oh this is the problem is that most tv is not interesting to me <laughs> uh she starred in a, in a show uh that is it, the name of the show is a slur it's the g word for, for oh wow like, uh that aired in 2017 um it was on netflix she's a psychologist who secretly infiltrates the private lives of her patients that sounds ridiculous Oh wow! It was her and Billy Crudup. You know what? I bet I bet that's fun. Maybe I'll put that. Up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's mostly the things I want to talk about. Mulholland Drive's really good. I um just need to watch more movies. I was when I was looking for the Blu-ray, I was going around to our shelves of movies. I'm like, I own I own like probably thirty films that I own on Blu-ray that I haven't watched. Probably more, honestly. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Why don't I just watch these? So that's gonna be my 2022 goal is to watch every movie in this apartment that I haven't seen. Which is like non-trivial because there's a couple of box sets that I've barely touched, so I'm gonna be busy. That's a good goal. Yeah. Destiny. I might watch a few of those with you. It's your turn. It is my turn. As M said, Badland Girls, I'm I'm watching a horror movie for every day of the month. I uh, am 22 movies in. I don't know what I'm going to watch today. Uh, there's two I wanted to talk about that I probably won't talk about on Badland Girls. Um, one is a vampire film called Bliss, which came out in, I believe, 2018. Um, it's about this artist that goes on a bender essentially with this mysterious drug and then wakes up craving blood. And uh, it was really brash and loud. It was like one of the few films I've seen that had a seizure warning, which is, um, I don't know. Like, I'm glad it had it, but part of me feels like, What am I trying to say? Um, anyway, it might have been doing it just to be edgy. Um, <laughs> but it was a good movie. And then I watched Seder, which was one of those movies, kind of like the movie we're going to talk about, where when I read about how it was made, it made it more intriguing because the film itself wasn't much of anything. It was about this demon that claimed a family. And it was kind of farce and arty. And the footage of the film it cuts between color and black and white. And there's this uh, grandmother in the family that does this automatic writing where she channels this entity called Seder, who has just taken a hold of everyone. And so I don't want to give too much away, but when I looked up what the guy that pretty much did this movie all by himself, aside from the acting, uh did was like just based in a lot of stuff in his own family and it just made it so much more intriguing but it is an experience uh, both of these movies are on shutter if you don't have shutter this month you're missing out 
they have the Poughkeepsie tapes on there, which uh, was wild to me as someone who knew that as like a more or less lost film. Did we talk about this last episode? I don't think we did. Okay. Um, yeah, like that's a movie that like got a very limited release and then got buried and you could find it online easily, but it like had no distribution when I saw it. It was just like when it was word of mouth, like watch this thing if you want to have a good bad time. Um, and it's on. It was just on, it's on, just on Shutter this month. I'm like, oh, that's wild. We'll have to watch it. Destiny had a good bad time. I had a good bad time. Out of all the movies I've watched this month, that was the one that will keep me up at night and truly shook me to my core. Yeah, and I do uh, not scare easily. It's it's fucked up. It's uh, it's not like it's not like super edgy. It's not like you know they're not like it's not like Kid of a Holocaust kind of film. Um, uh, or whatever, but it just it just manages to be really unnerving by just fucking going for its premise. It's good. Um, it's a found footage movie. It's presented like a news report, like a like a like a sixty minutes special like report about a serial killer who they found a bunch of tapes from with like FBI profilers and stuff like that. Um, and it's just really good. Uh, highly it's, recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> so upsetting. It's so upsetting. I think it's really good um love it yeah it's definitely upsetting i mean fair enough but <laughs> there's no like there's no secret gotcha here that's just what it is is it you know that's true it's not like twisty yeah um it's good anyway that is it for movies so we are going to get into the podcast this week we are watching playtime the jacques tati film uh written and directed uh also written by uh, jacques lagrange and art Buchwald, uh who did the english dialogue uh which is very funny this came out in december of 1967 in france um i'd seen this before uh jackson picked this one and i was like oh i can't wait to rewatch this um and I, again, had a good time. Uh, Jackson, what is this movie about? <laughs> I was going to say, can you summarize the movie? I cannot. Uh, this movie is about uh, a day in future Paris, uh, which is a 60s uh, modernist alienating... Hellscape's too strong a word, but like a strange um, future society where everyone is slightly alienated by the technology. Everyone dresses in grey, except some people... Um, and you follow people through the like their work days in the cubicle, uh, and uh, Jacques Tati is there as Monsieur Hulot, uh, befuddled by this baffling future world, uh, and the other other characters uh, were being led through uh, this day with like American tourists coming in and f- trying to figure out as well. We go through the like the office, and then uh, takes us to a uh, like a basically a trade trade exhibition. <laughs> Uh, yeah where they're all selling off a mall was a world's fair yeah yeah um but it looks exactly like the office because they're all selling office equipment and hijinks and shoe uh but that's like the day stuff and then it moves on to the night and we see everyone's apartments in like a whole sequence shot uh from the outside of the street everyone's got massive glass windows and you can look in um and then at the end of the day when it's nightfall really everyone goes to a big party well, there's, there's, it's a restaurant where there's like a dance floor and it starts off subdued and everyone kind of uh, begins to maybe loosen up a little uh, and more hijinks ensue uh, in this ridiculous uh, restaurant sequence. Uh, and then the sun rises and that's all over and people uh, go back to work and it continues again. Uh, Moshe Hilo uh, buys a gift for one of the um, 
American tourists that uh, we've also been following, and that's the like closest thing to uh, plot resolution there is. But it's mostly a series of uh, sequences in this world. Um, it is like famously a very impersonal and experimental movie in how it like you know functionally it is an extension of uh, like slapstick. But what if slapstick was uh, you know, what if a silent movie from the 30s didn't even slightly care about the people who were watching it? Uh, care's the wrong word, but everything is framed very distantly. Uh, there are a lot of details in the frame. You can pick up multiple subplots uh, and because the film like rejects close-ups uh, just based on where you are watching it at any given time. Uh, and it's, yeah, it, it just kind of is. And it's, uh, I was very excited to watch it because I heard about it for the reputation, but I hadn't actually seen it. Yeah. Um, Destiny, would you like to talk about how you felt about it? I really liked it. It, I didn't know anything about it going in, and it just kind of, like, once you kind of get into the rhythm of it, it, it was really charming. It reminded me of a cartoon. In, yeah. like the best way yeah the thing that this movie always made me think of is like the like mid 50s warner brothers cartoons um definitely and so uh mostly hulo who tati plays like the main character is in uh hulo's hulo's holiday and mon oncle which are movies i haven't seen but i get the sense that he is meant to be like a like chaplain's the tramp style character but by this time tati just is seemingly disinterested in like making a movie about that guy's hijinks and is just about like much in the way that like some of the later uh chaplain movies are about representing how these characters and human beings because these are deeply human characters suffer under the, the machine that is modernity um by lightly poking fun at it um or maybe not so lightly in a lot of this movie's instances uh i like unlike chaplin i think tati is much angrier by the state of the world um like in the like the text of the movie he makes because um this version of paris fucking sucks like the tourists come in and they're ushered in this giant building um there's a guy who spends the entire movie just counting the same like 12 women over and over again like that's all he does is line them up count them make sure they're all here move them to the next room um Line them up, count them, move to the next room. And, and they're, they're constantly trying to buzz all, like buzz around and go somewhere else and can't do it. Got to line up, count them, move them to the next room. Um, and meanwhile, like on the walls of this, the, these big buildings, it's like, oh, we're in Paris. So we can look at the wonders of the French world. Are these posters of other countries you can go visit? But it's the same fucking building with like, like <laughs> the Mexico one has like a, has like a sombrero photoshopped in. And the USA one has like a hot dog photoshopped in or whatever. It's just like, wherever you go, this is the world because globalization's taken fucking everything from us. Every place is selling you something. And it's like a big gleaming skyscraper where people are busy doing their jobs and you're mostly just in their way if they're not trying to like sell you something directly um and it fucking sucks it's terrible <laughs> yes there's a great scene um and when i when i uh, criterion had like commentaries and some scenes i didn't realize this was a scene that had been cut out originally like after the first um after the first showing like this movie was greatly truncated for like airing around the world or whatever it, there's a scene where um 
like an American guy comes into this big cubicle farm and they're like kind of cubicles the way we think of them, but they're like boxes. They're like maybe like five, five and a half feet high or whatever. And they're just like boxes with doors that people sit in and there's just a floor of them. Um, and this guy comes in, he's like, and he picks up the phone. He's like, I need a number. And he's calling a guy like four cubicles back and two to the left. And uh, he's like a this weird, officious guy who's been running around the entire movie trying to have a meeting with Hulo and it's just not happening. But he calls him, he's like, I need this number. And so that guy's like, oh, baby, get it right to you, sir. And he comes out of his little cubicle office, walks down the hallway to like a bunch of filing cabinets on the outside of the cubicle where the American guy is, pulls out the card that has the information on it. That was like three feet away from this guy, walks back down, getting a little lost on the way to the room that he was in, picks back up the phone, reads him out the number, and he's like, ah, oh, thank you very much. And then uh, like does some math and walks away. Um, it's incredible. It's so good. It, that bit's really yeah. funny. I mean, that's the scene that I, I knew beforehand, really. Like uh, the, okay. the, the cubicle scene is like the thing that I had... Uh, um, I feel like is some of the most famous stuff in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's hard to realize when you watch it because this movie came out in '67. Like cubicles were not the like dominant form of the office yet. No, <laughs> no. they were like they were like ideas of what the office of tomorrow would look like. Uh, so like it, it registers as a joke, but it registers as a joke about a real thing when you read it, and not like oh, this was like a 15 years ahead. Um, when I read, when I watched this movie originally in 2011 is when my writing that I will not be sharing about this movie, uh, was written. So 10 years ago, uh, the thing that didn't hit then that like really hit this time is he goes in that fucking office at the beginning and they, they put him in this terrible waiting room where there's these awful farty chairs with the, this like memory foam, uh, that makes awful noises and like the back like collapses if you touch it or whatever. And then throughout the rest of the movie, everywhere he goes, people just have these chairs because yes. this is the chair you buy. Yep. <laughs> this is the Amazon basics chair. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the chair keeps coming back. It's so funny. <laughs> But like that's one of those that like that is just the world we live in now. Where there there's only capitalism. The wonders of modern capitalism have brought us the same six products. They all come from Amazon. That's it. I hope you like it in brown or black because those are your options. Yep. <laughs> he uh, called like that kind of conformity uh, militaristic thinking. Yeah, um, that's interesting because the thing the thing about the, like Hulo's movement through this movie is the only human connection he has just trying to file some paper. We never find out what he was trying to do with this office or whatever. But the thing he keeps that keeps happening is he keeps running across guys who remember him from when they were in the army together during the war. <laughs> um, yeah, and this movie ends up being about like post-war France has more or less obliterated the idea of Frenchness in a search of for modernity, which means like commerce and business and sales uh, the same way it does everywhere else. Um, but the only human connections are people who remember when it was different, when, you know, everyone got like fought in the war together. <laughs> um, and, and also and like the like, movie is functionally bilingual, right? Like it is uh, yes. as much in English as it is in French. And I'm sure like, if you were a French person who couldn't speak English, similarly, if you were an English person who couldn't speak French, you could both people could watch the movie with no subtitles and have a different but valid experience because it is like about that that friction. Yes, yes. And it's not like the language is particularly dense on right. either side. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just because like 
the only other character that other than like the French people who all like want to meet, shout out to Hulo and be like, oh, let's, you know, let's uh, have a drink. We, you know, we've, we've served in the war together is the like American businessman who takes over the terrible restaurant. So um, funny. He's so funny. <laughs> um, who is, who is just like the quintessential American. Like uh, I like Dracula a lot. It's a, it's a book that I really love, but it's about a bunch of uptight British people. And there's one cowboy who's just like rich and wears a cowboy hat all the time and has like a ranch and oil maybe it's like nebulous what he does but he has a lot of money and he just will take over any scene he's allowed to because that's what americans do they just move in <laughs> and set up shop um and that like as as this as this restaurant continues to fall apart and becomes like a disaster zone in like this in you know, this movie is already like pre-programmed, like there's this gleaming modern stuff and then everyone remembers the war. And then there's this very hoity-toity, very uptight restaurant begins to fall apart as like people undo their buttons and start singing with pianos and like the ceiling starts coming down. It evokes like wartime like living, right? Like you have all these people who are gathering around a piano singing like French songs as they all get totally wasted. And like the storytelling like thing they're pulling on is the idea of like, what France was at the beginning of the century, not in the middle of the century. Um, but part of that involves an American moving in and setting up his own little private, like fiefdom of a, a restaurant inside a restaurant of everyone who's just like caught up in the fever of having a good time. Finally, as this restaurant sets on fire around them, they're going to have like, they're going to enjoy themselves. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I really like the restaurant sequence. It's probably my favorite one in the movie, um, which mm -hmm. is I, in some ways, like a, obviously the the big extended bit where the point of the movie is made the clearest is the best part in the movie um uh but uh, i do think when it comes to the reputation of this film at least in my personal experience it is mostly stuff from the first half i've seen uh it is the uh the glass uh city and the cubicles and the office and a very um consumerist critique i guess mm. uh and the thing that the restaurant sequence does is bring, like, make it more of an explicit class thing uh, in ways that I think are more interesting. Uh, it is very easy, and we have seen, like, since this movie, right, like, 50-plus years of, uh, that has now fallen out of favor because of how the exploitation has changed, a parody about how, you know, uh, the offices are just molding us into sheep, man, blah, blah, blah. And that stuff's in the movie, but then eventually when we get to the restaurant, it is far more concerned about here are the workers. Here's how the workers make this world go. Here's the, like, businessmen who, uh, like, take advantage of them, but are also, like, part of this society and becomes far more of, like, a microcosm of multiple levels of what's going on in the city and not just uh, the broader stuff that it, like, brings you in at the start. I think the progression of that stuff throughout the movie really, like, sold me on it. Because at first I was, like, enjoying it, but I was like, this world seems honestly fine. I don't think you're, you're making it seem more depressing uh, than it is as real world is so much worse at this point this world doesn't have uber yet <laughs> um <laughs> uh and then when it yeah gets into like the more human stuff and the um like structures in the uh restaurant uh, uh i really liked it uh that it went that far because i i didn't know that from its reputation i guess i i feel like those two things are like linked and the movie's like yes. very aware of those things. No, the movie is aware of those things but i mean like in culture i'd only seen the first bit without the second bit right because like 
the thing about like the, the like trade show or whatever is it's a trade show like the people who come from america are a gaggle of like bored housewives in fur coats right like these yeah. are wealthy people but the thing they want to do is say they went to paris and buy like a vacuum cleaner that they will go back and give to their maid maybe they'll use it a couple times but like it's not real it's not a like a thing um the way in which like paris is framed is like you know you only see the, the reflections in spaces uh and it's only like the the one um like barbara the the young girl who seems b like bought into the idea of a romantic paris gets to see the glimpses of that and everyone else is just too busy uh living their lives uh trying to shop before they have to get back on the bus um but that stuff like we follow the people who run those shops and so they go back to their terrible apartments that are the exact same apartment and sit there stoically watching the same TVs, like divided up, like they're like literally like in cages to be viewed um, as they all watch the same television show and seem to not really enjoy themselves very much. Uh, yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah, pretty lifeless. One of the things that stuck out for me was... Uh, uh, I watched a bonus feature where they talk about essentially he casted those American tourists are all wives of servicemen he casted from a nearby base. Mm -hmm. And um, they interview a few of them in this bonus feature for this like British TV thing. And they're like, uh, yes, we're uh, the Americans that invade Paris. <laughs> and I thought it was telling that they use the word invade. Yeah, I think the movie, like, on some level understands that, like, we all know, like, we're all kind of, and that's, like, the thing about the, the way the, the Royal Garden falls apart is, like, everyone understands that there's a certain way to, like, live that's expected of them, but everyone's just waiting for it to fall apart. Like, the minute it does, the people, like, everyone, like, just latches on and, like, lives their lives and, like, enjoys them. So, like, the people who spill out of this legitimate disaster of a restaurant as it's, like, catching on fire and, like, everyone's miserable and, like, overheated and drunk is a joyous party of like groups of people spilling out onto the streets as the sun rises. And it's, it's great. They all like pile into the drugstore and continue their like revelry. It's, it's very good. That sense of like, nobody wants this. It just happened. Like it's happened to us and we don't seem to have much say in it, but no one's really content in it. Yes. No one's happy in this movie. Yeah. No. But yeah, no, I I really I really enjoyed it. I it, it was a weird, um, it was a weird watch, right? Like like it's just a very strange movie because like the thematic material and the concept is very uh easily easily understandable, but it is shot in such a um uh interesting way, right? Like the movie, you just like you know I'm. It's hard to watch on some level because I'm like, do I focus on the bot like this part of the restaurant and where in the bottom left of the screen is a whole story going on with this table or there's a guy at the back with the band, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, <laughs> right? Like, there's just so many things going on. About it. Uh, yeah. just, it feels um, it's like ahead of its time on some level. This is a movie that's perfect to just have on on repeat in a dorm. <laughs> like, you just come in, it's on the bit, right? Like, this is that's what I thought of. It's like a direct line. <laughs> uh from in the past right uh you know uh to uh of um 
connection to like Chaplin and the slapstick movies and and stuff. Uh, but this line continues forward, and it could basically be you know you can watch this and it can be like a slightly more uh, a, a political niche show or something, right? There's like a line to things people have on in in fucking like uh, slice of life shows for dorms, <laughs> is what I ended up thinking of. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just like a <laughs> mode of viewing that wasn't available when this movie came out that I feel like it suits itself for, uh, too. Interesting. I like that. Do we have anything else? Um, I want to note this thing on the Wikipedia page. Uh, sure. That uh, I think... Um, it makes a lot of sense when I read it. Tati wanted the film to be in color, but look like it was filmed in black and white, and it does. It honestly does. Yeah, and not in. The, I read that too. Yeah, not in the sense of like, oh, everything's so drab because it is, but on purpose. I'm like, oh, this no, this. You can watch a lot of movies in color, and you're like, damn, everyone forgot how to light things. Uh, <laughs> but this movie looks so good. And then you realize the reason it looks so fucking good is because he built a city. Also, it's filmed in seventy millimeter. Also, it's filmed in 70 mil in a city he built. Yes. Broke making this movie. Tativille, they called it. Sometimes you just got to build all the sets. Some of them are just photographs. That's my favorite part. Like, you can't Mm -hmm. tell. It's that well done. Okay, sometimes you can tell. The Eiffel Tower, you could tell. But But the, the set, like, it ends up to me feeling like... This is entirely a, you know, boss baby vibes. This is my life. But it does end up uh, feeling like he's just made a real life video game level, like a facsimile of a world. He's made like the three parts of a street uh, that make up the vampire, the masquerade bloodline city. (laughs) Um, I just said some of that sentence. Well, just like, you know, in the same way that digital spaces that do this uh, have to condense a and imply a fully livable world in like a few distinct spaces uh, that are connected to each other. It's like, that's that's a very similar thing to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can go into questions though, if we don't have anything else. I really, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's really good. Um, Okay. If you would like to send in emails, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Our first one is from Aiden. Uh, What is a movie that you genuinely dislike but could become one of your all-time favorites if it was given a proper remake in 2021? A remake? Oh. A remake. What do you like? This idea is good, but man, they just fucked it up. I'd like to see someone take another run at it. Cloud Atlas. Can make we're Cloud Atlas better? We're gonna get emails about this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was originally kind of messed up, and yeah. I think there's some good in there, but there's a lot of bad. There's a lot of bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I like Cloud Atlas, um, but you know, Wachowski is getting under the door and pulling through the hat to avoid being cancelled, making that in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Genuinely dislike. What's a movie I genuinely dislike? That's the problem. Oh, yeah. See, I, I don't genuinely dislike Cloud Atlas. New I like Boyhood. Movie. Someone else has got to spend 15 years making a movie. Oh, yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, whew, yeah, it's hard. 
It's hard. I, I just don't think I have a movie that my gut reaction is, oh, I fucking hated that. But, you know, the idea could have been good. Could have been good. Can't think of one. Everything I think of, I'm like, it was just a bad idea. You should have made that. Clerks 2? You can't make a good Clerks 2. I'm sorry. It just doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> That's so true. Po poisoned all the way down. <laughs> um... And then let's see. Uh, we have one from Gary. Uh, what is your favorite movie with minimal slash limited dialogue? Uh, Modern Times is my favorite movie, so automatically wins. Oh, you took mine. Uh, yeah, I guess mine could also be Modern Times. Like you know, that's a um, we all love Modern Times here. Um, <laughs> so I love a lot of. I'm uh, trying to think of a more modern movie. I like a girl walks home alone at night. That doesn't have a lot of dialogue. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, but I really like the Limits of Control, the Jarmusch movie. I remember that having very little dialogue. I liked Under the Skin. Under the Skin's great. Yeah, that doesn't have a lot of dialogue. It's a pretty good movie, too. Ah. Uh... Hilver writes in, what's a sound effect or exclamation from a film that you would like to see become a the new Wilhelm scream? <laughs> Such a good question. Good question, but I feel like I haven't done the necessary six weeks of research it would require to give a good answer. Um, though I do want to pivot and say, uh, the guy's shoes are the funniest fucking sound effect that's ever existed in cinema. That one bit where he's walking into sending like seven years to walk to uh oh, Hulu. Uh, Hulu's like, he'd be like, oh, he's coming. He's like, no, 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 sit down. It'll be a minute. <laughs> it draws, it's like it's like a full minute. It's oh yes. I was laughing, I was losing it, laughing at that scene. That is a good one. You know, my I was thinking about it, I'm like, the only thing that comes to mind, and I just think it's a really good sound, is the engine noise of the pod racers in episode one. That is a good sound. It is a good sound. It just, like, sounds powerful, but in a different way than most, like, sci-fi objects sound powerful. Yeah, the, 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 pod, the pod racers have, like, this really amazing wheeze. That's, that's such a good it's, sound. It's the, the wheeze, but also, like, that weird staccato noise that they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like because it's recognizably an engine, but it doesn't like any human engine that's ever been made. Yeah, um, yeah, that's just <laughs> one of the best sound effects of all time. I, unquestionably, I feel like. Um, Tron writes in uh, with a bunch of questions. Uh, what is your favorite shot in this movie? I liked uh, seeing into the apartments when they're all watching the TV show and when you can first tell they're all watching the same TV show. Really liked that. Hmm. I guess mine would be, I really like the shot where uh, Hulo sees the guy he's chasing after, but reflected in the window. That's like such a good shot. The, 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 art, the thing. <laughs> and so he starts waving to him and the other guy sees that in the mirror and is like reacting, but just enough to confuse Hulo further. And he like walks like across the street to this other building, but then only sees that guy retreating because he's called away. So he thinks he's gone deeper into the building and just gets totally <laughs> lost and turn around. That's really That's a good funny. one. Um, I don't know if, so, like, I, there are a lot of shots I like, yeah, um, especially in the early segment where they're all, like, it's all the most stark, and then, again, I, I also like a lot of later ones where it's far more, like, dense, uh, 
near like where's wally levels of amount of shit going on in the frame because <laughs> we've got a 70 <laughs> millimeter camera and we're gonna use it uh all that stuff's great but i think the, the thing is less on the individual shot and more um i was really taken by how much it's uh kept like silent film techniques in uh that i feel like no one uses by this point um in terms of communicating geography through a static camera like you know you know when someone walks off left frame and they come back into the right of frame uh in yeah. a silent movie and the shots that are one shots like a different stages uh there are points in which this movie does this uh you know as a comedic thing and then there are points where it'll take those shots and then deliberately start panning them and like zoom or do a tracking shot like it's just a movie in the <laughs> 60s uh and the ways in which those two things like it'll settle into one mode and then like shock you out of it i thought was really cool it's because like that's true but also it's accompanied by one of the most complex like soundscapes yes. of a film i've ever seen yes absolutely like the foley's impeccable and it's like very much about like spaces and positions and the sounds people make as they move through them um and it's really good like the the noises of this movie are funny and tell a story there there's a there's a note about like the sound mixing in this movie which we don't even get even if you got super surround sound um of like because how sound mixing work when you had a 70 millimeter movie that was this big you could mix like high and low not not in front and behind but you could put your mixes some of your mixes like in the speakers at the top of the the screen and some of the speakers at the bottom of the screen uh mm-hmm. and it was like using sound to direct the audience's eye more than the uh uh visuals I was like, damn just like impressive stuff yeah meticulous um all right um Let's see. I think we've answered most of these. Uh, there was a bit about what you thought about Paris as an idea versus like what this movie presents Paris as. The one thing I think is interesting is this movie, on its way to and from the airport, uh, spends a lot of time linger on, lingering on the exact same streetlights that Alphaville does. As like, yes. look at this alien landscape of the 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 highways of outer space, and it's really funny to see both of them reach for this one relatively like modernistic object of architecture to represent wildly different things but basically mean the same thing even though they're framed so differently yes i mean yeah they are a very different movies doing different things but the the thing that they want to communicate about aren't these lampposts weird is kind of the same (laughs) and they're right the lampposts are weird i love that the central one isn't on in the frame is that they're all going on and they're just one that just isn't working as it drives off Mm -hmm. um and it's got the, the like the hard cut. It doesn't even fade. It's got the hard cut from the like daytime to the nighttime bit before the end. Oh, that one's so good. Because <laughs> it ends up feeling like a big like, even though it's just the the image of cars moving, it ends up feeling like the big like refrain of like a musical, right? Like this is our big final choral number, and it just switches to night, and you just see all the cars driving, and it's incredible. Uh, yeah, it's really because like the movie doesn't. Because I was watching and thinking, how is this going to end? Is this going to like try to? put a bow on this in some way i don't know how you'd even do that um and it's ending with that image really good uh any other city thoughts destiny mm, no now that we're here okay uh adam writes in uh m's mentioned on other podcasts the first movie they remember being hyped for prior to release was batman returns destiny and jackson what is the first movie you remember being excited to go see 
mine is embarrassing. Uh, the Indian in the Cupboard. Because that was my favorite book in third grade. You know what? That's fair. You're allowed. It is kind of embarrassing, <laughs> That's but pretty embarrassing. you know, it's fine. Jackson. <laughs> um, mine had a sad ending, which was, I think it was Spider-Man 1. Because uh, holy shit, a spy movie. And I couldn't even go and see it. I was too young. What do you mean you were too young? It's Spider-Man. Well, so this is how we this is how the twelve A rating came around in the UK. Is that Spider-Man came out, got given a fifteen, then got given a twelve, and they're like, you can't make this movie for fifteen year olds. It's Spider-Man. Uh, so then it got given a twelve rating, and if you weren't under twelve, you couldn't see Spider-Man in the cinema. Uh, Wait, uh, at all? No, uh, at all. Had... With a parent? Nope. That's what the 12A is. They changed it to 12A. Oh. Originally, movies here were uh, U, PG, 12, 15, 18. Um, Why is your country so fascist all the time? <laughs> many <laughs> reasons. Like, things that don't matter. <laughs> but then this, this, this changed after Spider-Man because everyone was like, it's a movie for children. I want to tell my children to see Spider-Man. My child's crying because he can't see Spider-Man. So they uh, changed it to 12A. <laughs> so now all movies here... If they're gonna play for like lots of people, basically get it. every Marvel movie is a twelve A. That's like yeah. the default movie rating now. Uh, Fair enough. Um, Interesting. I guess the other one uh, which I did see was fucking Spy Kids three D. That's a great film. Took my brother to go see that because he likes Spy Kids, and I was driving at that point, so uh, I went. It was good, and I had a good time. It's the first three D movie I ever saw in a theater. That was red blue 3D. That was red blue 3D. That looked terrible. Man, yeah. yeah, it was fun. I had a good time. You know what? The thing is, Spy Kids 3D looks bad no matter what you do. To it. That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> and yet, the uh, motorcycle chase has been ripped off in like six different movies. Yes. It's weirdly like I feel like I see that every five years is a new movie that's doing that, and I'm like, damn, the, the Spy Kids 3 chase. Cake. God damn it. <laughs> With our final email. Playtime takes place over the course of what feels like 24 hours. What are your favorite other movies that take place over similarly constrained amounts of time? Collateral. Uh, yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I was going to say 25th hour. One day. What if that 25th hour as well? Yes. Uh, Rope's really good. That's like that's like in real time, quote unquote. Yeah, <laughs> Rope's good. Um... Taking a Pelham, which Destiny watched the other t week. That's oh, like that, that movie's fucking great. I don't even yes. think about that as like a constrained time movie, but I guess it totally is. It is, yeah. for sure. Um, Assault on Precinct 13, that's another one that's like One Bad Night. I love a One After Bad Night. After Hours. Yeah. Everyone loves a One Crazy Night movie. Well, I like a One, yeah, I like a one Bad Night movie from the world than a yes. One Crazy Night movie. Those are different, yes. those are different things. Yeah. Yeah, from Dust Till Dawn, also a one bad night movie. It has like a, it has like an opening. You're like, oh, this could do whatever. But most of the movies are like one night. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. It's good. From Dust Till Dawn is good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, those are my answers. There's a lot. Honestly, there's a lot of them. I love. Yeah, just a one bad night movie. Like a whole day is cool. I I don't. Um. God. Uh. Bef the before movies are all one. Those I love those movies. Yeah. Like those very are, constrained. Those would probably be my answer for favorite. Yes. Because like um, the first one's a one a one night movie. Like at morning, evening till night, I think. And then like yes. 
uh sunset is just 90 minutes that's just 90 minutes yeah. of time yes mm-hmm. it's incredible what if it was the most important 90 minutes of your life <laughs> yeah um yeah. Anyway, that's all our emails. If you'd like to send emails, they don't have to be about the movie we're covering, obviously. You can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast uh, at gmail.com. Next time, we are watching The Wages of Fear, the uh, Clouseau movie from 1953. I've been wanting to watch this for 20 years, and we're finally just going to do it. Let's go! Yeah. It'll be good. Um it sounds sick. I, I don't know why I haven't watched it yet. I just never got around to it. Sometimes you just don't get around to things. Also, it's like two and a half hours long. So there's that. <laughs> so sorry, everyone. Um, anyway, plugs, Destiny. At Bridge Buzz now everywhere. And my other podcast, Battling Girls, is on Abnormal Mapping. Abnormalmapping.com slash Battling Girls. Jackson. I'm a headfuls off on twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and M do. Also, I have Noel Mapping. I have Noel Mapping.com. Uh, go listen to them. They're good. A bunch of them. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can f- support all of our work at patreon.com slash mapping. For $5 a month, you get blockbusters. We are coming up in about two weeks. We're going to be recording our episode on Dirty Harry. That's going to be good. I'm really excited for it because I'm sure it'll be crunchy and we'll have a lot to talk about. Uh, but you can list all the other ones. It comes out once a month. It's a really good podcast. We did a Rain Man episode I'm very proud of. So uh, check that out. At, at $10, you get VoIP Life, which is a great show. And sometimes we talk about movies there but it's it's very goofy um if you know if you still have five you'll get a bunch of free like voip lives that get kicked into your feed so you can check out voip life um that's the main one so um thanks everyone until next time movies now more than ever don't expect to like them then we're just gonna cut in the silencio from (laughs) (laughs) god damn it (laughs) 